Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Good? Good. Hey, a uh, couple things, a couple housekeeping items before we uh, dive into the Word this morning. Uh, first off, if you were able to attend Pastor Betty's memorial service yesterday, thank you for coming out. Thank you for uh, supporting her and Pastor Gary. Um, man, it was, I got done with the whole thing, and it was just an emotional Morning. It was a good morning where uh, I feel like we honored Betty's life very well um, in the way that we handled everything, and that was a very, very special lady. So for all of you who came out, thank you for coming out and uh, and showing support to her. The other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, I want to reiterate. It seems like 30 minutes ago now, because it was uh, when we did <laughs> when we did the two chairs right here with uh, with with Dave and Pastor Jeff. Um, the reason that I want to call attention to it again is because the fact that FB Connect is a is a great opportunity for all of you who are not yet plugged in somewhere to get plugged in. Even if you've been serving, maybe you've been serving in the same capacity for a really long time, and you want to figure out maybe there's something else that you could be doing. Show up. If nothing else, you got a free lunch on us, um, and uh, and we would love to be able to to talk to you a little bit more about both service and group life um, and our and our small groups and that sort of thing. So. All that to be said, let's, uh, let's dive in. We're continuing our, uh, our series. We're continuing our series on, uh, called Family Matters. And this week, we're going to talk about the idea of, of conflict resolution. Um, and not even so much about the idea of, uh, of resolving conflict, but just the idea of, of conflict in general. Because, quick show of hands, who has, uh, has never had conflict in their family? You liars. You're in church. You're in church. You're all so. For those six that raise their hands, you're dismissed. The rest of us, honest people, will stay here. Um, but no, we all have we all have conflict in our families, right? I mean, that is a, a common theme for all of us. Is that all of us uh, have conflict, and and we're going to talk about how the idea of conflict is is evident in every relationship. And I want to make sure we do our best to realize that we're not just talking about like a, a husband and wife relationship that has conflict. Okay, we're talking about the idea of family, and, and it is these people who are in our homes, these people that we do life regularly with. And so when we're talking about the idea of conflict in the home, conflict within the family, I mean, we're talking about husbands and wives, honestly, but husbands and sons and husbands and daughters and daughters and wives and, and, and sons and wives, like all of those things that kind of go along with it. So, so don't niche yourself in this mentality that all we're going to be talking about today is, is marital conflict, because that's not what we're talking about. And that's not ultimately what James is going to be talking about here. Okay. James is talking about conflict in general, and we are going to apply it to our, our, our family lives. Um, so one of the things that we need to establish, first of all, is that conflict is different than any other, or familial conflict is different than any other type of conflict. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah. It's different because when you're at work, and let's say, let's say, I don't know, you're, you're a lawyer, like you're paid to resolve conflict. You are paid to win an argument, right, in a courtroom. Like if you do that, you do your job, you get paid, you get paid more money, you get paid really well if you're good at it, right? And then beyond that, if you're, if you're a business person, and you're in a boardroom or a board meeting or something like that, and, and you win in the midst of the conflict, that's a good thing. 
that is a good thing for you because chances are you win, you get to move forward, you get your way, and then everything is, is, is nice and happy as you go along. But the difference with conflict between the family and in a work setting is that there is no winner in the midst of a familial conflict. Because even if you argue correctly, even if you are the quote-unquote winner, you are still sharing a bathroom with the person that you just beat in that conflict. (laughs) And you're going to hear about it again. So there's no winner in the midst of familial conflict. Now, are there issues that we have to hash out? Absolutely. Am I saying that we need to sweep things under the rug? Not by any stretch of the imagination. What I am saying is that when we come to this idea of familial conflict, we have to handle it correctly because if we don't, it's going to be a source of frustration for everybody involved. Um, And and one of the reasons that, and and I want to establish this ahead of time, not all of us uh, resolve conflict in the same way, right? And so I got this from another pastor. Uh, there's, There's six types of people essentially when it comes to conflict. And I thought they were pretty funny. Uh, one, of the, one of the six types of people is the idea of someone being a peacemaker, right? Any peacemakers in the class or in the room? Not the class, this is in a classroom. Um, this is a church. <laughs> so peacemakers, right? And peacemakers are people who would much rather just be like, okay, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine, don't worry about it. No, 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 I didn't, I'm sorry for bringing that up. I apologize. Uh, my bad, I didn't mean to ruffle any feathers. I didn't mean to rock the boat. Like, we're good. You good? If you're good, I'm good. You good? I'm good? Cool, we're good. Like, those are peacemakers, right? And some of you are like, yep, have one of those in my life. I know who that person is. It's like, and some of, <laughs> some of you are like, just frustrated with those people, right? Who are peacemakers. Like, no, like, you are upset about something. You're like, no, I'm good. You're good, I'm good. And you're like, no, you're, you're upset about something. So just tell me what you're upset about. You're like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're most maddening people in the world, okay? Peacemakers. There's other people that are the sulkers, right? The sulkers, those people who just, regardless of what it is, they're just upset. They're just sad about it. And they're not going to, oftentimes not going to bring things to light. And so they're just, it's bothering them. You can tell it's bothering them. They're upset. They're sad. They're sitting there moping on the couch next to you, right? For those of you who, who uh, have Facebook and you, you are, quote, watching TV, but you're watching TV with the TV on and scrolling through Facebook on your phone, right? And they're sitting there and they're just sad. And you can tell something's wrong. You're like, what's wrong? And they're like, Nothing. Fine, things are fine, and you just sulk. You sit there and you sulk. You're maddening. Um, the other one is the, uh, the we call I, I call him uh, the I am Feinstein. The I am Feinstein, right? Um, it's a little shout out to our uh, politician. Um, what's wrong? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Guys in the room, if your wife says this, it's a lie. She says. I am fine. Don't believe her. It's a trap, and you're going to regret it later on, okay? Uh, The next type of person would be like a litigator, right? And these are the people who are the best arguers. And a lot of the guys in the room just puff their chest and be like, yeah, that's right. That's me. I'm the litigator. I even have a sweet name. It's the litigator, okay? And these are the people who are great arguers. And not only are they great arguers, but they have to be right all the time. If there is something that is unresolved, they are going to argue until they are correct. Even if they are wrong, even if like, like, they, like there is zero factual evidence to back up their claims, it doesn't matter because they're going to argue until they're correct. Any of those guys in here? I'm going to say guys because most of the time it's these. Okay, good. We got a couple ladies. Good. Good. Great. The litigators. And the last one's the screamer. 
Yeah, I know. I'll be like, oh. And the, the high school students over here was like, that's my mom. I know her. I know, I know that one. But these are the people who need to get a rise out of other people in order for them to feel like the, red, the, the conflict has been resolved, right? It's not even so much that they want to get angry. It's they feel like if they haven't hashed it out yet, if volume hasn't gone up yet, then the chances are the conflict still hasn't been resolved. And so they are eventually going to get to a point where they are screaming in order to make sure that their point is heard, right? Yeah, see? See? Your point was heard. (laughs) But we all fight. We all have conflict. Every single one of us have conflicts in our lives. But in the age of social media, right, who, who dropped their kids off for their first day of school this week? Anybody drop their kids off? Who had kids who had their first day of school this week? Okay, good. So as you were on social media and things like that, it's really easy for us to look like the grass is greener on the other side. Right? Because you're scrolling through and you're getting the highlight reel of somebody else's life. You're not getting reality. You're getting the ESPN top 10. And so when you're scrolling through and it's the first day of school and there's like all of these photos of these moms who got up at 5 a.m. and like gave their kid a fresh haircut that morning. So they were the most like neatly groomed kid. They had had their clothes laid out for a week, right? Pressed them again kids are in the clothes, they get up and there's like this, this beautiful fruit salad. And then there's like eggs and sausage. And it's like, gotta, gotta give my kid nutrition for his first day of school. Hashtag blessed. Right. And then, and then, and then beyond that, beyond that, they take a picture of the lunchbox that they packed for the kid. And It's like a kitty cat sandwich, like the mom like cut out perfectly and there's little like cucumber whiskers on it. And then there's a little note with encouraging scripture on the backside of the bento box that they packed for him this morning. And all the while you're just like, you've got to be kidding me right now. How is this real? How is this normal? And we like grass is always greener on the other side, especially in the day and age that we live in right now. But one of the things that we have to recognize, and this is your first fill in the blank, is the truth is the one thing all of our families have in common is conflict. Every single one of us have conflict, regardless of what you see online. And one of the things that we're going to learn today uh, is that we want to understand there's truly only one source of conflict. If all of us can wrap our, our, our heads around this idea, then the conflict that we see in our families will truly begin to dissipate. There's one true source of conflict. So we're going to go talk to James about this. This is Jesus's brother who's going to help us shed some light on this. So he asked the question straight on in James 4, 1. And we're going to, we're going to dissect some of the verses because I want to give it to you piece by piece. But this is 4, 1, the beginning of 4, 1. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you. That's how he starts it. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, if I want to do something really, really bad or something that was like a terrible idea, which would be for me to ask all of you to turn to the person next to you and ask them, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I wouldn't do that though, because the minute I did that, there would be fights and quarrels among you. Right? You would turn to your spouse and be like, hey, what causes fights and quarrels among us? And they would have an answer so fast, I'll tell you what. Right? And that would be a terrible decision. But the problem is, is we immediately start to point the finger at what other people are doing wrong. 
That's what we do. We point the finger at other people because according to all of us, we have the best idea. And if everyone would just listen to me, then everything would be perfect. It would be fine. It would be good. And the, the world would be a great place if everybody just stopped doing what they wanted to do and listened to all of the things that I wanted to do. There would be no conflict. I'll tell you what, the world would be a perfect place to live. And that's the way that we think about this. Is we think that, that if they would just listen to me, we will be fine. Something we need to know then, and this is your next fill in the blank, is that when we blame others for our unhappiness, we remain unhappy. When we blame others for our unhappiness, we are going to remain unhappy. I mean, think about it. When you're telling a story about how things went down last time there was some sort of conflict, we were telling that story. You know, we always talk about what they did. We always talk about how, how they did something wrong. Well, I was going... 30 miles an hour over the speed limit, but that cop was a real jerk. And those kids were mostly across the crosswalk by then. <laughs> and that's what we think. Like, those are the stories that we tell. We're like, wait, time out. You glazed over the fact you're going 30 in a school or 30 miles over the speed limit in a school zone. There were kids in a crosswalk, but the cop was a jerk. That's what you're going to tell me? And those are the way these things tend to come out. We do it all the time. We're quick to place blame on other people when it comes to conflict. And because of that, we hold on to it and we hold on to it and we hold on to it and we hold on to it. And it festers and we stew over it. And pretty soon that conflict is a much bigger deal now, bigger deal now than it was before, simply because we are blaming other people. As long as we are blaming other people, we will not be truly happy. Because this is what we're doing. When we're unhappy and we're placing blame on other people, we're handing them the entirety of our emotions. We're giving it to them. And saying, here, you know what? You do what you want with these. The way that I'm currently feeling, you have complete control over that. It's on you. Go ahead. You have complete control. Even though I am incredibly frustrated with you right now as a person... I'm going to hand you the entire, my entire potential for happiness and let you have control over it. We're in an argument right now, but regardless of the fact that we're in an argument, here, you can control my emotions. That's what we're saying. We're handing that control, that power over to the people that we're in the very conflict with. And so as long as our happiness depends on other people doing things right, we're not going to be happy. We are not going to be content. And if I asked you to give control of your happiness to the person that you're in conflict with, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't. If, if we just said straight out, look, okay, I know you're in an argument with the person. Can, you, I, can I have your happiness? I'm going to give it to them, and they're going to be in control of whether or not you're happy or not. You'd be like, that's ridiculous. I am so frustrated with that person right now. I will never let them control my emotions. All the while, that person is controlling your emotions, Right? But as long as we remain in this cycle of if you would just and if they just wouldn't and why can't you and blame and blame and blame and blame, then we're never going to be content with where we're at. And you're giving other people complete control over your emotional health. We're saying I can't be happy unless you do something differently. 
And until we understand what James is going to say to us in the rest of these verses, we have really no real option. I mean, think about it. Ladies, ladies, let's have a chat, okay? Not like last week's chat, okay? Last week we talked about submission. This is easier. <laughs> ladies, how many times have you gone to bed frustrated because let's just say your husband didn't do the dishes that he said he was going to do after you spent a long time making dinner and you got up the next morning and the mountain of dishes was still sitting in the sink and you were incredibly and totally frustrated by it, right? Has that happened? And, and substitute dishes for a popcorn bag left on the couch or, you know, whatever it is, socks left in the middle of the floor that you said you were going to pick up. I don't know, okay? And guys, you can play along with this too, but there are so many opportunities for us to, to just be frustrated. And you get up, and you're frustrated. And the frustration festers because of the fact that our happiness was placed in the hands of somebody else. Our happiness has been placed in the hands of somebody else. And if other people won't behave, if other people won't do the things that they are supposed to do, then we can't be happy. And that's what we get to. That's what this ultimately boils down to. Think about driving. This is me for sure, 100% of the time. Okay, chief of sinners. Think about driving. I was picking up my kids the other day from school, and I'm in like the pickup line, right, where you just kind of zoom around and you park, and uh, you don't zoom cops in the room. I don't zoom. I follow posted speed limit laws. And, and you stop, and you, you know, you say, hey, you know, Micah and Owen Anderson. And they're like, Micah, Owen, and they throw them in the car, and, um, and then you drive off. Well, they don't throw them either. I, this is a bigger story than I meant it to be. Um, <laughs> and there was a, a person immediately in front of me who, I already got like an amen over here. There's a person right in front of me who failed to pull up right behind the person that's in front of them. And so I'm like, you have got to be the audat, the nerve of that person in front of me who wanted to keep a safe distance between the car in front of them. How dare they do that? Or like at a four-way stop when someone wastes a second of your life, right? <laughs> How dare they? You're never getting that second back. <laughs> and it's not, it's crazy when we put it in those terms. It's crazy when we think about it like that. And we're like, you're right, we are being absolutely ridiculous. But the reality is, is we're placing our happiness, uh, like the control of our happiness into somebody else's hands. Even people that we have zero control over, people who are sitting in a car in front of you that you are never gonna talk to ever again in your entire life or ever will talk to outside of you talking to yourself in your car at them. <laughs> You're never gonna talk to them. And we have placed our, our happiness in their hands. That's what we've done. We said, you control whether or not I am happy. It just doesn't make sense, but we're all guilty of it. All of us are guilty of it. Blaming other people never helps anything. It is us giving away our happiness to other people. So James continues then in, in verse one. This is what causes fights and quarrels among you. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So most of us, after the first half of this verse, are thinking to ourselves that there are as many reasons for quarrels as there are people in the room. Right, so when James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? You're like, well, um, 
My husband doesn't put his stuff away when he's supposed to. His, he always leaves his wet towel on the floor in the middle of the bathroom, and there's a hanger right there. He could totally just hang that up. Um, and then there's people who really frustrate me when I'm driving, and then don't even talk to me about servers who are slow at Starbucks because that's, that's the most ridiculous thing. They literally have one job, and it's to make my drink perfectly. <laughs> and so we go on and on and on, and we think, okay, there is many, but, but, but James is disagreeing here. James is saying, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? The desires that battle within you. And I want to say no. I want to say no. The source of fighting in my home has everything to do with other people. Has everything to do with them. That's what I want to say. But James is telling us that there is a common source, a common, a common enemy. There is a common root to the source of our conflict. The source of all of our fights and quarrels have everything to do with our own personal desires. They have everything to do with our own personal desires. The source of every single conflict has the same root, and it's this. Every conflict comes from a desire for something you want, but you don't have. Think about it. I want the line to speed up to get to my kids. And so I am frustrated that I don't have a quicker pace to get to my kids. Because those two seconds of my life really matter. Or I want to be able to take a deep breath in the morning. And so I don't want to wake up to dishes that were promised to be put away in the sink. Because that's not a good way for me to emotionally start my day. Everything, every source of conflict is a desire that is in us. It's something that we want, but we don't have. It's something that we want, but we don't have. The point is, every single time there's conflict between you and someone in your family, there's something that we want, but we don't have. And some of us are, we're going to push back and that's fine. Okay. We can push back a little bit. You're like, no, I, there are some things that I need that they are not delivering to me. Okay. However you want to frame it, there is a need, there is a desire there for you to have something that that need and desire is not being met. James seems to agree with me a little bit when he says that we fight because of desires that are at battle within us. He tells us then in verse 2, the first part of verse 2, he says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. He's like, whoa, I'm out. Like, there's conflict, but I never got that mad at my teenager, right? You covet... But you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. So straight up, James tells us in the first part of verse 2, we desire, but we don't have. We want this, but we don't have it. And if we rewind back to verse 1, he's saying that's the source of our conflict. That's the source of our quarrel. We want, but we don't have. We have to remember that James here is writing to a church. Okay? James isn't writing to a prison. James isn't writing to felons or anything like that. So when it talks about the idea of you desire, but you don't have, do not have, so you kill, he's using hyperbole here. And it's relevant when we're talking about conflict in the family because sometimes there are things we want so bad that we are okay hurting the other people we care about most in order to get what we think we need. It's ultimately a selfish desire. We kill our relationships with other people. 
because of things that we think that we need, things that we want. There are people in this room who probably left home and were ecstatic to leave home when they were 18 or 19 years old simply because uh, they had parents who had such high expectations of them. Because somewhere down the line, mom and dad had an expectation of you that you weren't a fan of, that you needed to do a certain thing, that you needed to act a certain way, that you needed to hang out with a different group of people, that you needed to get a certain amount of grades, you needed to play a certain sport. The list goes on and on and on and on. And you were ecstatic to leave because they wanted something from you that you didn't agree with, and you wanted something from them that they didn't agree with. And the relationship, there was a schism in that relationship. And that relationship was killed simply because we couldn't get past our own selfish desires. We see men all the time, right? Men all the time get all testosterone out and bowed up. And then they end up belittling their wife just so he can get what he wants. And they can completely and totally destroy the wife's self-image. We see this in relationships with, with moms and daughters, and I'm not picking on just moms here. I just gave the guys a hard time too, but moms and daughters where there are completely unrealistic expectations of daughters put on them so much so that they can't even look, themse- look at themselves in the mirror without thinking that they're ugly, without thinking that they're not enough, without thinking that they don't add up to what they are supposed to be. When we want something from someone and we lose perspective we are willing to push the envelope in order to achieve our own happiness, in order for us to achieve our own contentment. And here's how we defend it. But I just want what's best for them. Oh, I just want what's best for them. If they don't push them, if I don't push them, they're not gonna get to where they need to be. They're not gonna get that full ride scholarship. They're not gonna work hard enough to impress their boss to get that raise that we really need. That they're not gonna clean the house every single day from top to bottom. And we push and we push and we push. And we lie to ourselves because ultimately it's not about them. It's not about things that they aren't doing. It's about us. We want something from them. And if we want it bad enough, we have the potential to destroy our relationships with them. And the entire time we're thinking it's their fault. It's their fault. If they would just, if they would just, it's their fault. If they tried harder in school, if they asked for a promotion, if they vacuumed every single day, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them. And James is telling us it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. And I'm chief of sinners. I get it. I feel the same way. Every time I have conflict, it's the other person's fault. Every single time. We want something and we aren't getting it. We're going to use our words and our actions and we're going to get it one way or another. If we want something bad enough, we are going to continue to push hard and end up killing relationships that ultimately we care a whole lot about just to satisfy the desire that we have. So why can't we get along? Because we all want something from other people and we can't get it. So we're stuck then being unhappy because our happiness depends on other people's behavior. You hear how backwards that sounds? When we say it out loud, when we really start to think about it, how backwards that sounds? 
that I can't be happy because somebody else did this. Man, we just allow people to have so much power over our lives, over our emotions, over our feelings. And James is saying it starts with us. So let's do, let's do application real quick, okay? What do you think it would look like in your home before, uh, if before we blew up, our ki- blew up at our kids, not blew up our kids? Man, <laughs> kids are having a rough morning. Before our kids exploded, um, if before we blew up at our kids or before we blew up at our spouse, we took a second and just said to ourselves, part of what I'm feeling, feeling right now is that I'm not getting what I want. I mean, that's strong. Part of what I'm feeling right now is that I'm not getting what I want. Like if you, if you started a conversation with your spouse that way, man, defenses come down because you're starting to take ownership. Like you're starting to feel that yourself. I, like, I know it may sound ridiculous to you that dishes in the sink have that much of an emotional toll on me in the morning. But if you could just do that, that would be really, really helpful. Man, guys, we'd be sprinting to the sink as fast as we could to get those dishes done, right? If that's how those things were approached. And think about it, like if, if you and your spouse are not escalating a fight, you both thought for a second, part of what's happening here is that I'm not getting what I want. The conflict's gonna deescalate incredibly quickly. If it wasn't just one person who said it, but both parties, both people involved, if it wasn't just mom saying it, but it was also students saying it as well. You say that a student takes a second and says, mom, part of what I'm feeling right now is I'm not getting what I want. Man, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Let's dig in a little bit right there. They looked at you and you say the same thing. A parent looked, the student said the same thing. You can begin to unravel what the problem actually is. Because when we take ownership of a problem, the conflict will begin to be resolved. When we take ownership of a problem, the conflict will begin to be resolved. Uh, Andy Stanley, he illustrates this well. He tells a story about how he, he used to do a lot of marriage counseling, okay? Um, and it takes a special person to do marital counseling. Like that is an emotional toll for the people who do marital counseling. God bless you. Um, if you're looking for marital counseling, I'll give you Jeff's phone number later. Um, but <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Um, but Andy Stanley, he was doing, so every time he would do marital counseling and, you know, a, a spouse would start to rant and rave about all the things that the person sitting next to him on the couch would, would do wrong and get frustrated and get angry and upset. He would pull out a pad of paper. He would draw a circle on it. He would say, okay, let's stop for a second. I want you to draw on this piece of paper the, the slice of pie that you are responsible for in this conflict. And a lot of times he said that they wouldn't even draw us a, way, a piece, right? They'd be like, all of it's them, 100% their fault. And we laugh, but honestly, a lot of times that's true. They're like, that's the way that we think. Or if they were to draw a little slice of pie, it would be a tiny little sliver. The 0.0001% is my fault. But then what he would do is he would say, okay, good. We got 0.0001% of it being your fault. Let's talk about that 0.0001%. And it changed their perspective because all of a sudden they have to start taking ownership of things 
And then right away, after he started getting a little too close, they would switch back to, well, what about the other 99.999%? But that's their fault. You accounts in the room. I think I just did my math wrong, but whatever, you get the point. And we would switch back over. But the reality is, is once we begin to take ownership of a problem, the conflict will then begin to be resolved. And to be frank, it's just easier to blame someone else, something else than the actual root of the problem. It's easier for us to point to outside sources than it is for us to look inward, right? Kids are a great example of this. I have a four-year-old who I'm pretty sure is going to be the greatest politician in the world. Um, that kid can argue anything just by misdirection. He's just like, but dad, but dad, but dad, but dad. Yes, Colin, what do you, he, he wakes up every single night. He doesn't wake up. He walks out of his room every single night and he tells me that he forgot how to go to sleep. (laughs) What? (laughs) Every single time. But, uh, so our four-year-old, like I said, future politician, right? And so yesterday, uh, he got up, he told me that he was incredibly hungry. And so I was like, cool, man, like go grab some food. You can go to the kitchen, you know where the fruit is. If you want to pour some cereal, you know how to pour some cereal, like go for it. And then all of a sudden he chose that exact time for him to tell me that his knee really hurt. What? How come this didn't come up earlier? Like, how come you were more concerned about your stomach than you were with your ailing knee? And so it was a whole lot easier for him rather than for him to solve the issue that was at hand, for him to place a little bit of blame on himself and say, look, the issue here isn't my knee, dad. The issue here is that I'm really hungry and I don't feel like going to pour some cereal. So instead, my knee really hurts, and you're a really kind and loving dad, so you're going to pick me up, and you're going to walk me all the way to the kitchen, and you're going to do exactly what I want. Because like I said, my four-year-old is going to be a politician. But regardless, it's a whole lot easier for all of us to point to external influences than for us to look inward. Than for us to say, no, this is on me. This is my fault. And so we get to a point when we're willing to take ownership of our piece of the conflict, we need to get to what James says in 4.2, the second half of 4.2, which is simply, you do not have because you don't ask God. You don't have because you don't ask God. And now there's, there's younger kids and teenagers in the room right now. And they're like, what? I can do whatever I want and I just got to ask God. That's what that says right there. You do not have because you don't ask God. So my Christmas list is going to be bumping. And as long as I pray for it, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's not what we're talking about here. Because we know that God isn't just some genie for us to exploit anytime we feel like it. This is talking about how we need to have God examine our hearts. And so your next fill in the blank is before we enter into a conflict, we need to follow, we need to allow God to examine our hearts. This is an internal issue. Oftentimes we need to allow God to examine our hearts. How many times have I lashed out at my own kids simply because I was stressed at work? Not my kid's fault. There's kids. They're doing what kids do. They're running and sliding in their socks on our, on, our, on our hardwood, and they ran into me on accident. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Pay more attention, right? Because I'm stressed somewhere else, because of other issues going on. Or their mom and I had a disagreement, and so because of that, they're bearing the brunt of it. It had nothing to even do with the person who's in front of me. It had everything to do with the condition of my heart. 
had everything to do with my heart being in a healthy place when I started into that conflict, when I decided it was okay to escalate that conflict. It has everything to do with the condition of my heart. And we need to pray and ask God to expose those areas of selfishness where these conflicts are coming from so we can take more ownership of them in the first place. So when we pray, rather than praying at God, saying, like, saying things, that, things like, God, my kid needs better grades, or my husband needs to work harder, my daughter needs to break up with her boyfriend, because I know you created him, God, but you may have been distracted when you created that kid. I don't know. James is telling us though that before we get into a conflict, we need or a conflict with people, and I'm adding people in our home, we need to get on our knees and pray to the creator of the universe saying, God, there are things I want in my life, but help me to realize that this isn't about me. This isn't about me. It's about you, Father. So how can I better serve these people in my life today? And then we get to a point when we realize, and this is your last blank, but don't pack up yet, your last blank, that God needs to work on us before we decide to work on others. God needs to work on us before we decide to work on others. And that's a hard truth for us, not, not even for us to grasp, it's a hard truth for us to apply to our lives. Because then we can circle back to the top and be like, man, you know what? You know what the source of quarrel and conflict is? Them, that person who did that one thing. And it perpetuates and it goes on and on and on and on. We need God to work on us before we decide to work on others. So what do we do with this? I would say as you experience relational conflict, big or small, stop and think about your own slice of that pie. Stop, even if it's that point zero 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 one percent stop and think about the ownership that you have in the midst of that conflict. What's my slice of the pie? Have I taken responsibility for my life, really? Or am I enjoying the blame game so much that it has allowed me to ignore what I'm ultimately responsible for? And you know what happens? And this is the, the worst part about this whole thing, is this, uh, this whole like, self-realization thing. Because when you start looking at that point, zero, 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 one percent of the pie, it goes like this. And it grows and it grows and it grows. And you begin to realize that you have a lot more skin in this game than you thought in the first place. That the conflict that you are engaging in has a whole lot more to do with your heart than you ever thought it did in the first place. So ask yourself, what is, the, what is in my slice of the pie? Have I taken responsibility? And in, in any relationship, if you can ever get the two parties to own their piece of that pie, you can make progress. If you can ever get the, like the two people who are involved or four people, whatever it is, if you can say there are some selfish tendencies in this room and it's not because we're selfish, it's because we're sinners. There are some selfish tendencies in here and this is what I want and I'm not getting what I want. And if we start from that spot, we can begin to make progress with the other person. We can begin to realize that oftentimes this conflict that we're talking about isn't even so much about them. It's a whole lot more about me. And I'm not saying to just sweep anything under the rug or anything like that. And in any family, any ideal family, any ideal situation where the family is working hard to honor God and working hard to love God well, there's a pause before a fight, a pause before an escalation, before I confront him or before I confront 
her on this issue that has to be addressed. I need to pause for a second and make sure I own my part. There are issues and there are conflicts that need to be addressed. Hear me on that. But we have to realize that oftentimes the escalation of those conflicts aren't necessary. We have to be okay having an open dialogue with our own selfish tendencies. They have to have an open dialogue with their selfish tendencies. And we have to own our slice of the pie. And once we decide to own our slice of the pie, we can make progress. We can move forward in the midst of those conflicts. We have to pause and ask God what we want first, what our slice of that pie is first. Then we can better confront an issue knowing that I'm partially to blame. I am partially to blame for this conflict. Can you imagine what your families would look like if we all just paused for a second before we decided to escalate? We all just paused and just said, you know what? I need a second to think about this. I need a second to pray and just... Those dishes aren't going anywhere, honey, I promise. Let me, <laughs> let me take a second and just pray and say, God, what is, what, what is my slice here? Like what of this is me and what of this is the actual conflict? Man, I'll tell you what, like our family still would be a long way from perfect, but the ability to pause and to think through those things will allow so much more peace in our homes will allow so much more opportunity for us to be able to actually enjoy the people that God has placed in front of us instead of us placing unrealistic expectations on them. For us to just say, hey, I'm sorry, that escalated. I didn't mean it to escalate. I, I, I wanted something that I wasn't getting. We just gotta ask ourselves, have I dealt with my own stuff yet? And when we do that, we recognize that we're all messed up we're all sinful people in need of a savior and grace begins to abound in our relationships simply because we own our slice of the pie. We recognize that God is, God is in control of this whole thing, but we'd love to get in the way. We love to get in the way and blame other people for the conflicts that we have in our lives. Instead of looking in the mirror, we're looking across the hallway. We're looking across the room. We're looking at the person who sleeps next to us at night saying, man, if they could just, if they would just. And that's not what James is saying. James is saying, it's on you. It's on us to look in the mirror first. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for, for this morning. Thank you for those who are here with us. Thank you for Betty's memorial yesterday and just uh, the service that was and the ability to honor her. Father, just thankful to be a part of that. Um, but God, as we think about this idea of conflict, this message this morning, where it wasn't even so much about conflict resolution, Father, but just the frame of mind as we go into a conflict. For us to be able to just look at that pie and decide what piece of it is ours. For us to say, okay, God, you know what? I'll be honest, 20% is me. God, help me to focus on that 20%. Help me to realize what that 20% means to me. Why am I holding on to that so tightly? Why do I, why do I care so much? about that. Father, open our, open our hearts and our eyes to those things. Those things that we seem to be so short-sighted in. Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal those issues to us. And Father, when a, an argument or a conflict does escalate, God, I pray we'd be able to pause. Just pause. Just take a second and think through the repercussions of what is about to happen. 
Think through the mindset that we're in. Think through even why, why we're escalating this thing in the first place. That's why, like we talked about earlier, it's, it's oftentimes not even about the conflict. It's about something that happened earlier in the day. So, Father, I pray that these families in here would begin to recognize that, would begin to recognize that we all have skin in this game. That even if, if it's a minute percentage, we all have a slice of pie that we are responsible for. A piece of things that we want, but we simply aren't getting. And, Father, if there are people who are new to us today or, or, or are just trying to figure this whole God thing out, God, I just pray that... Um, they would think through why we have conflict the way that we do and why familial conflict is so difficult and, and familial conflict even outside of a relationship with you is even more difficult because father we recognize that we're held to a higher standard there's somebody in here today father who does not yet know you i pray that that with head still bowed and eyes still closed that that they would just pray along with me they would a just admit that they're a sinner in need of a savior Admit that all of us are messed up. We all have our selfish tendencies. We all, we all want to say we have no piece of any blame, but God, ultimately we do. And so I pray that they would admit that they're a sinner in need of a savior. B, they believe that your son went and died on a cross on our behalf, that he has reconciled us to you forever. And that in the midst of conflicts, the midst of these things that God, regardless of how messed up we are, we know that your son went to the cross on our behalf anyway. And so they would believe that and see they would choose to follow you every single day. And we would recognize that these conflicts and these arguments and these fights aren't gonna go away overnight. But it's an active obedience to who you are, to pause, to be introspective and say, you know what? No, I chose to follow God a whole long time ago. And so because of that, I'm going to follow him every single day. Father, if that was anybody in here today, I'm just thankful for them coming into the family. Lord, we love you. We pray for our week. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, real quick, if that's you, if you're having some, some just issues trying to figure out conflict in your family, or you just want to chat, uh, myself and Jeff will be up here on either side of the stage. We'd love to have a conversation with you. But you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.